Keyboard Kimura podcast is brought to you by OneBone. If you're a bigger guy like me, chances are you've had problems finding shirts and gear that fits properly. The length is there, the sleeves are too wide, and the fit is all boxy. The sleeves are good, the shirt is a little too short, meaning your belly or your butt sticks out, which nobody likes. OneBone is the answer. The gear is made of 95% cotton and 5% spandex, meaning you get a little stretch and it fits right in all the right places. There's length to cover your gut and your butt with a number of different designs, styles, and colors to give you a complete wardrobe of good-looking gear that makes you feel comfortable and stylish every day. And as a supporter of this podcast, OneBone is offering you 10% off your next purchase with the promo code ESK10. That's my initials, E-S-K, all capitals, and the number 10. Just go to their website, onebonebrand.com, check out all the gear, figure out your size with their terrific sizing guide, and get yourself into some fresh new gear this summer and become a part of the growing One Bone community. One Bone, the biggest brand. Salutations, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Keyboard Kimura podcast on Friday, August 26th. It has been a week where we've been trying to put out a bunch more of this because we haven't had fights to prepare for. We haven't had fights to look forward to on Saturday, at least not UFC events. Please, you know, there's one FC events or already one today. Another one coming up today, tonight, their debut on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Not disparaging them, but for me as someone who strictly covers the UFC on this platform, haven't had anything to prepare for. And so I've been doing a little bit more of this, really been enjoying it and haven't wanted to go too many days without putting things out because, you know, you're, you're used to a daily submission from me, from the newsletter. And so even on an off week, I don't want to make you go more than a day without hearing from me, seeing me, whether you're listening or, or watching the video on the YouTube channel. I'm not going to put anything out tomorrow. But Sunday morning, Ian O'Neill and I are going to get together and have a conversation just about the next couple months. I put out a piece today on osdbsports.com about sort of the next two months in the UFC, looking at some of the divisions that are going to shape up, some of the exciting matchups that are on, on paper and, and set to play out. Please go check that out. I think it's a really good piece. It will be sort of the foundation of my conversation with Io on Sunday. But today I wanted to go back to something I did last year. So in late November last year on the newsletter, those of you that are subscribers or were subscribers at the time will remember, I talked about sort of the aftermath of of an event and how we lose sight of things in the immediacy. And I understand it, right? Last event happened. It's the thing that becomes focus. And the, the schedule is what it is to where it's hard to hold on to sort of memories of everything that's transpired and everyone that's had a great performance over the course of the year, and especially the later we get into the year. But the purpose of that post in in November 2021, which was the forgotten standout performances in the UFC so far this year, um, where I went through month to month, broke them down, laid them out, was just to remind people of some of those great performances, right? That sort of a refresher, Because I think we all need it at times. I think we all need to kind of have somebody at times or or ourselves at times 
go back and just review what's happened and have that. Oh yeah. I remember that. Or, Oh shit. I had forgotten about that. Let me watch that again. That was great. And so I think I know where, I think you see where I'm going with this. I've got an hour till I need to leave the house. I've got a list of 109 performances, fights, efforts, whatever from so far this year that stood out to me that were that were moments I want to remind people of. I apologize that you're going to hear my my notebook flipping, but it's a lot to write them out. But here we go. These are the forgotten performances of 2022 or not even necessarily the forgotten performances, right? Because I think there are people, it's not just me that remembers all of this stuff. And I even had somewhere I went back and, and looked at them and was like, oh yeah, that happened. But it's a, it's a reminder of the greatness that we've seen so far this year. It's a reminder of the cool shit we've seen, the breakout fighters, the cool performances, the great submissions, the entertaining fights, things like that to just sort of set us up for this home stretch, right? September to December, we've got four months left final third of the year. We're getting ready for it. It starts in Paris next weekend. But for right now, let's go through January to August. So we start out in January. Kelvin Cater comes out and beats the holy hell out of Giga Chikadze. It's easy for me to say. In the first main event of the year, right? Everybody came in thinking this is Giga's chance to go through, beat Calvin Cater, put himself in a title picture. He was talking about Volkanovsky's disrespecting me, not saying my name as an ex-contender. And Cal was like, yeah, motherfucker, here, take this. Hell of a performance, shouts to Calvin Cater. UFC 270, the first pay-per-view of the year. We had Vanessa Demopoulos getting stunned, submitting Silvana Gomez-Juarez, and then jumping into Joe Rogan's arms. We had Jack De La Maddalena's debut against Pete Rodriguez, which was a hell of a performance. We had Victor Henry's debut, which was a hell of a performance. And, and VW's coming back in a couple of months he's he's on he's on the list of the next two months so look out for that and then it closed out with francis and the grappler right he came out with the knee sleeves we heard at the start of the pay-per-view there may be some knee problems he didn't look great over the first two rounds and then all of a sudden we get the Nganu and grappling and he beats serial gone unifies the heavyweight title solidifies his place at the top of the division hell of a performance Next card after that, Chidi and Jukawani makes his UFC debut, knocks out Marc-Andre Berrio in 16 seconds. Julian Erosa and, and Steve Ocho-Peterson have an absolute slobber knocker, which is the only kind of fight either of those two dudes is capable of. Shavkat Rachmanov continues winning, knocks out Carlston Harris. Then we get Douglas De Silva, Douglas Silva D'Andrade and Sergei Morozov at the next event, just a bonkers fight. Go back and watch that one if you don't remember it. Two round, not even two full rounds. Morozov all over. D Silva in the first. D Silva rallies in the second and gets the finish. We get Israel Adesanya and, and Robert Whitaker too to close out that pay-per-view. And I know people are down on Izzy after the Jared Cannonier fight, and it's not coming up because we don't need to rehash that one. But that second fight with Whitaker was a great fight, and, and Rob made some adjustments in fight. And I know that he's down out too, and it's probably going to take a lot for him to get a third fight. But they're pretty close, man. He's he's still very, very good. And I can't wait to see him back in Paris next week. We get Jim Miller knocking out Nicholas Moda in his debut. We get Jamal Hill closing out that card with that crazy knockout of Johnny Walker. Hit him right in the top of the head. And Walker just catatonic falls backwards. And we get Armin Saryukin uh, in the last performance of January for me against Yoel Alvarez. Just comes out and sort of sets himself apart from the of those two emerging lightweight prospects and we'll talk about Armin Sir you can later. 
272, Cousin Umar makes his second start in the UFC. Looks terrific, beating Brian Kelleher. Jalen Turner comes out and does Jalen Turner things against Jamie Malarkey. Bryce Mitchell has a great performance against Edson Barbosa, sort of answering a bunch of questions, right? We all came in. Is Bryce Mitchell a guy? Is Bryce Mitchell somebody that can be in the top 10 of this division? And he was like, hell yeah, man, here I am beating Edson Barbosa. We had Azamat Mirzakhanov getting a third round flying knee finish over Tafon Chukwi. We had the maniacal Drew Dober, Terrence McKinney fight that lasted, you know, three minutes and is just maybe, maybe still fight of the year. Like just, it was that good of a three minute round. We had Khalil Roundtree knocking out Carl Roberson. We had Song Yudong knocking out Marlon Rice. We move further in March. We land in London for the first time in the year. And it's just, I mean, it's its a vibe. It's an atmosphere. It's a whole event, right? Kicks off Muhammad Mokaev gets a win. We had Paul Craig getting the win, getting the submission in Paul Craig fashion over Nikita Krilov. Makwan Amarkani showed up the good version, choked out Mike Grundy. Ilya Tapuria knocked out Jai Herbert. Meatball Molly did her thing against Luana Carolina with the spinning elbow in the running for knockout of the year. Patty Pimblett came out, did his thing against Kazula Vargas, had the big pop as he walked to the cage, the massive roar of him walking out to the cage with his signature entrance. Arnold Allen did Arnold Allen things against Dan Hooker in one round. Talked about Arnie earlier in the week as being the guy that's deserving of the opportunity at featherweight. At featherweight. This is the fight. This is the performance that you need to go back and watch in case you forgot, just an absolutely phenomenal performance. And then the show's closed out by Tom Aspinall running through Alexander Volkov. We move to UFC 273. Mike Malott gets a knockout win over Mickey Gall in his debut and then uses his time on the microphone to talk about uh, Joey Rodriguez, his, his striking coach, and his daughter and his family and the struggles they're going through. Got to do a cool piece with Mike about that story a couple days later for OSDB Sports and all the money that was raised by Mike and Josh Emmett and the whole crew at Alpha Male and everybody that contributed. We've seen Joey back at fight cards at events over the last few months, which tells me that Angie's doing well. So that's great to see. And shouts to everybody that contributed, man. This is where the MMA community and the online MMA sort of ecosystem can be weird and toxic at times and shitty and miserable at times. But there are also times where it's terrific. And this is one of those times that it was terrific. So if any of you donated, if any of you contributed, even if you just shared the links to the story, shouts to you, you're good people, you're doing good things. UFC 273 also gave us Hamza Chimaev and Gilbert Burns, the fight where we learned that Hamza is mortal, that he is human, that he doesn't just run through everybody, but that he's still good enough to beat Gilbert Burns. We had Aljo Piotr Jan part two. Aljo gets the win becomes the undisputed champion. And we close it out with Alexander Volkanovsky having a monstrous performance against the Korean zombie. Next event, we had Marc-Andre Barrio and Charles Jordan, TKO champs, TKO double champs. Very good friends, former training partners going back to back with submission finishes. Claudio Poyas submitting Clay Guida by knee bar and a very nice setup. It wasn't one of these lucky catches. It was, it was well done. Closed out that card with Jessica Andrade with the standing um, arm triangle choke against Amanda Lemos. Great finish for Andrade back in straw weight. We kind of forget that she's back down there. We kind of forget that she's in the mix in that division as well. And man, that division is that division is so good right now. Next event, we had Joe Anderson Britu, who lost his debut in January to Bill Algio, responding and rallying 
by coming out and absolutely starching Andre Feely in under a minute. That event was closed out by Marlon Vera defeating Rob Font in a fight that really accentuates the damage over volume argument for judging. Kind of also showcased that Cheeto is is a dude to be to be considered in the bantamweight division, and of course we'll get to that a little later in the year as well. Moves us on. UFC two seven four. Brandon Royville and Matt Schnell have a, you know, the the only kind of fight that those two dudes are capable of having at flyweight. Both of them individually are just bundles of excitement and energy and action and put them together. And that's what it was. Brandon Royville got the finish. That was also the night Michael Chandler kicked Tony Ferguson in the face and made him look hella old. And that wonderfully captured picture that's out there for everybody to enjoy on Twitter. And we also had Dubronx doing Dubronx things against Justin Gaethje to maintain his spot as the top lightweight in the world title or not. He is the best lightweight in the world right now. I don't even want to hear your arguments. Later that month, we had Andre Petrovsky quickly choking out Nick Maximov that I know felt good for Petrovsky and several people that questioned Maximov's kind of win over Puna Soriano from earlier in the year and place in the division or place on the roster for that matter. We had Michael Johnson earning a comeback to to action, a return to form win over Alain Patrick. We had David Grant and Louis Smolka. That went into the third, David Grant doing David Grant things. We had Ryan Spann looking very good, showing some poise, showing some, some presence, showing some, some patience against Iwan Kutilaba to get that finish. Uh, later in the month, we had Urosh Medic with a very nice performance, a very nice win over Omar Morales. We had Jailton Almeida go up to heavyweight and just ragdoll Parker Porter, which was a absolute eye-opener for me. I liked him at, at light heavyweight, but I mean, you go up and you're facing guys that are legit 265. I don't know what you're going to do. And he just, you know, picking them up and throwing them around and gets another good win. He returns in these next couple months at heavyweight as well against Shamil, Shamil Abdurahimov, which is a very interesting fight. Excuse me for one moment. Thank you. Didn't want to cough into your ears. That would have been loud. Close out the month. Chidi and Jokowani again. Goes out. Elbows Dushko Todorovic into the shadow realm. Two wins for Chidi. He's got a fight coming up. Definitely a guy to pay attention to. Was one of the guys coming off Contender Series last year that really was intriguing, right? That you really thought had a chance, or I thought at least, had a chance to make an impact because he has all of that experience. He's not some guy that's rolling in with five wins and never faced anybody. He's a vet that's been through the ringer. He's been through good fights, tough fights, hard fights, bunch of losses in there. Knows what he's capable of, knows who he is as a fighter. And we've seen that so far in two UFC performances, two first-round finishes. He's very much in the honorable mentions category for fighter of the year, if not in the top 10 itself. We move forward, Aaron Blanchfield chokes out J.J. Aldrich in a fight where we saw a little bit of the shortcomings of Aaron Blanchfield, a little bit of the still young, still a little inexperienced, a little unseasoned, but also the positive of the minute the neck was there, she snatched it up and got the victory. Tony Gravely knocked out Johnny Munoz Jr. Carolina Kovakevich got an emotional submission win over Felice Herrig, who then announced her retirement. Shouts to Felice, great career. I know she's doing BKFC, I believe. This is what happens in combat sports. 
Karina Silva had a lovely debut. Lucas Almeida and Mike Trezano had an absolute bonkers fight. Again, one of those fights, and I think Harry and I talked about it the next day on the next day takeaways. It was an entertaining fight, but not a great fight in terms of technique, in terms of skill, in terms of what was on display. Sure was fun to watch. Lucas Almeida has another fight coming up. Mike Trezano's sticking around. He's got another fight coming up. Both should be great. That card also featured Movsar Ivloyev going out and beating Dan Ige in another one of those oh, this kid is for real performances, similar to Bryce Mitchell against Edson Barbosa. You don't go out and do what Evloyev did to Dan Ige without being a legitimate fighter in the featherweight division. So continue to pay attention to him. Uh, Silvana gomez Juarez. we go over to the show in Thailand, UFC 275, not Thailand, excuse me, Singapore. Silvana gomez Juarez knocks out uh, Naliang to get a win. Maharshate debuts, gets a win. Jack Della again. Jake Matthews against Andre Fialo. That's one of those ones. To me, that's that's the reason for doing this, right? We're at the end of August. It's been a long slog of things. We've had all these fights, all these performances, and I'm sure there's at least two people watching this, listening to this, that forgot completely that Jake Matthews looked like an absolute monster against Andre Fialo, getting a second round finish showing that maybe this kid that's been around since he was 19, fought in a couple divisions, hadn't quite put it together, is maybe putting it together. Cannot wait to see Jake back in action, either before the year is out or early next year. Uh, Zhang Weili knocks out Joanna Janjacek with a spinning back fist. Joanna retires, shouts to, shouts to Joanna Champion. Talked about her a bunch this week on UFC.com in terms of Greatest European fighters in UFC history. JJ's certainly in that in that group. Closed out that show, Valentina Shevchenko and Tyla Santos in a closer fight, a fight that might get rebooked. We might get a rematch of that fight. And then Yuri Prohashka winning the light heavyweight title against Glover Teixeira. My guy Harry gave me shit for earlier in the week, calling it a great fight. Again, an entertaining fight, a fun fight to watch, but sloppy, little messy, a whole lot of mistakes. But still, it was it was pretty entertaining to watch. And I'm sorry, Harry. It was entertaining to watch. Brings us forward to July. We got Roman Delize knocking out Kyle Dawkins. Almost said Chris Dawkins. Sorry, sorry, Chris, and sorry, Kyle, that you got knocked out and your face got broken before your before your wedding. But a hell of a knee from Roman Delize. Uh, Phil Haas and Deron Wynn, a fight where Phil Haas looked great. Deron Wynn should have been saved by his corner of the referee way earlier than he did. Ricardo Ramos hitting a beautiful spinning elbow on Danny Chavez. Uh, Set it up perfectly again. This is another one of those performances that I hope somebody watching or listening goes, oh, fuck, that's right. Oh, my God, that was so dope. Because it's it's one of those efforts. It's one of those performances. Ricardo Ramos is one of those guys that he's not understandably not sticking in your mind, not sticking at the forefront of your memories of this year for having a great performance. But God damn, it's a beautiful level. Go back and check that out on Fight Pass. Uh, later in that card, Jeremiah Wells knocks out Court McGee for his second victory this year in the UFC. Third straight win overall, all finishes. A guy to pay attention to. He's part of that Philly crew with Pat Sabatini and Sean Brady. They're doing good things. They're doing big things. Jeremiah Wells has big power in the welterweight division. Very much a dark horse in that division. Uh, that was the night we got Adrian Yanez knocking out, beating up Tony Kelly, sending him off to who cares where. 
fuck you, Tony Kelly. Uh, and closed out by Josh Emmett and Calvin Cater. Look, I don't care what you think about the decision itself. We all have our opinions. I have mine. I've made them known. Still a great fight. Still a fun fight to watch. Go back and watch that one again. Two dudes just, just getting after it, especially in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds. Uh, we move forward in the month. Mario Batista gets another good win, beating Brian Kelleher, choking him out. He's a guy. I mean, we talk about bantamweight all the time on this on this show, but Jesus, Mario Batista, another guy to pay attention to at bantamweight. Uh, Carlos Olberg looked fantastic against Tefon Chukwi. Black Jags got another fight coming up. I believe he's fighting Nick Negamarianu at some point later this year. Uh, the UFC 281 card at Madison Square Garden. So a bunch of this, a bunch of the CKB guys are all on that same card. Maybe Elberg's putting it together. Maybe he's starting to figure out, hey, I'm a big, long, powerful dude. I should do big, long, powerful things. Uh, Cousin Umar, again, comes out, gets another good win. Looks like the real deal, man. Just does. You know, he just, he just does. Bantam, and again, Bantamweight, goddamn. I saw yesterday or a couple days ago that, and, and shouts to the Between the Links crew, Mike Hack. Jed Mishu and whoever they end up bringing on to argue with Jed and make better points than Jed. Love you, Jed. Uh, Brian Campbell came on arguing that bantamweight is, is the best division. Jed continued to maintain his position that it's lightweight. And Jed, you're just wrong. You were wrong last year when I was arguing with you. You're more wrong now. Accept it. I appreciate your, your willingness to stick to your guns and continue to argue for lightweight, but everybody knows you're wrong. It's bantamweight. It's the best division going. By far, it's not even close. The depth, the level of talent, the skill, the, the ranges of age of and experience of fighters into the division, it's just it's bonkers. Can't believe you haven't accepted that. And if it's just the shtick, if it's just the gimmick, props to you for maintaining the gimmick. Tiago Moises subs out. Christos Yago's a beautiful choke. I still love that choke, Harry, and I talked about it in detail, the handwork, the sort of setup of it, just a lovely finish. Shavkat Rachmanov again, chokes out Neil Magny. This is one of those performances that I think isn't going to get and doesn't get the credit that it deserves um, to go out and do that to Neil Magny. And you can say, well, Neil Magny is a little older and he's fading and he's not quite the same guy. Fine. But earlier in the year, Max Griffin couldn't do that to Neil Magny, couldn't get past Neil Magny. And Shavkat Rachmanov went out there and, and ran through him. There were still some holes. There were still some things that he needs to work on. But that was one of those performances where you're like, oh, look, this dude's a factor in the top 10 in the welterweight division. We have to pay close attention to him. That event was closed out by Matoish Gamrot and Armin Saryukin having a hell of a fight similar to the Josh Emmett-Calvin Cater fight. I don't care how you scored it. We can argue about that some other time. This right now is just to say that was an absolute amazing fight. It is for me the fight of the year thus far because of the skill on display, because of the talent on display, the diversity on display. Just a great fight, man. And to think that that my guy Shaq Majuri was out here being like, is this the worst main event in terms of name recognition? And again, I understand where Shaq was coming from. They are not big names with the casual audience. They are not fighters that casual fans are going to necessarily gravitate to and decide this is what I'm spending my Saturday at the end of June doing is watching these two dudes that I don't know. But we all knew it was going to be dope. And it was dope. Just talk, just for me, it comes down to, if you know, it's going to be dope, tell people it's going to be dope. Don't tell people here's the reason it's not great. Or is this maybe not great? 
If you know it's going to be dope, tell people it's going to be dope. We all seem to love this thing. We all want to do this stuff and see this stuff flourish, see these athletes become stars, get bigger opportunities, earn more money, all of these things. And so why aren't we constantly out here just being like, hey, this guy's dope. That guy's dope. This fight should be fun. That fight should be fun. Tune in. I know you don't know them, but trust me, you're listening to me as an expert. So trust me and tune in. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Shit happens. We get it wrong all the time. I went damn near over with my bets last weekend at UFC 278. But I tell you what, we all knew the Gamrot Saryukin was going to be dope. And if people missed it because other people were like, they're not big enough names, I feel bad for those people. They got bad advice. They got bad guidance. And I don't want to give anybody bad guidance. Not, not from, from a lack of trying, I guess. From a lack of, of selling my expertise, right? If I give you bad guidance and I tell you this fight's going to be great and it turns out to be a stinker, then that happens and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I led you astray and made you watch 15 minutes of boring fighting. But I'll get you more 25 minutes of awesome fights. And more 15 minutes of awesome fights or great finishes or fighters that you're interested in watching going forward, then I will bad ones. And I absolutely will put my name on that and put that to the test. I'll keep track of that shit over the course of a year because I love spreadsheets and keeping track of things. Talk about dope things. When, when something's going to be great, say it's going to be great. Don't find the way to be negative and critical and, and shitty about it. And I know there are going to be people that hear this, and I'm sort of gone off on a tangent about this, but it still clearly, as you can see, fires me up every time. And people are going to say, well, we have a reason, there's reason to be critical, and we need to be critical at times. And yes, I get it. I agree. I understand. That is a valid argument. Understood that in the moment when I was talking with Shaq and Brent Brookhouse about that statement and that fight specifically. There is certainly reason and room for criticism in this sport and in everything we need to be critical of things but if the sole purpose and the sole thing we're doing is being critical and we're not selling and telling the other side of it and people are going to hear that i said selling and be like oh look see what's the show if we're not telling people both sides of it if we're not giving them the full context of the situation then we're doing it wrong we're misinforming them we're not giving them the opportunity to decide we're swaying them with our biases, with our positions. And that was my argument then. And that is my argument now about that fight and about fights in general, be critical all you want. But if you also know it's going to be a terrific fucking fight, I think it's incumbent on you as an expert, as somebody that makes money talking about these fights to say, Oh, by the way, these two guys are fucking terrific and you should watch this fight, even if you don't know who they are. Even if this is the UFC rolling out two guys that are just barely in the top 15 that most people don't know and aren't going to draw a lot of people on a Saturday afternoon at the end of June. Fine, but you know they're great fighters. You know it has the potential to be a terrific fight and that the winner is going to be in the championship mix as Matoish Gamrot is now facing Benil Dariush at UFC 280. This wasn't hard to see coming. And if you told people, ah, don't bother, or you don't know who these dudes are, what's the UFC doing giving you these two dudes? I think you led them astray. I think you didn't do them the service that, that they come to you for as an expert. 
That's my opinion. That's my place. I know some people disagree. Fine. This is my show. I get to say these things. Tell people about dope stuff. That's why I'm here talking about all the dope stuff that's happened this year. I want people to be excited about the sport. I want everybody that, that loves this sport, that likes this sport, that wants to be involved with this sport and follow this sport to be excited about as many things as possible. Because there's been, to my writing this morning, 109 fights, moments, performances that jumped out to me just in going through. And that, that excludes a bunch that I would put on there because I'm a psychopath that loves all of this stuff. Just tell people about dope shit, man. It's not hard. You can be critical, but if you know it's going to be dope too, then, then add that in there. Even if it's the last sentence, say all the critical stuff you want, all the reasons why the UFC is terrible, all the reasons you don't, don't like them, don't like the booking, don't like their business practices, all of those things. Just a line at the end. You may not know these dudes, but it's going to be a dope fight because it was a dope fight. Whew. UFC 276. Yulia uh, Stolyarenko avoids the five-fight losing streak by absolutely destroying the arm of Jessica Rose Clark. Jim Miller beats Donald Cowboy Cerrone, who then promptly retires, shouts to Cowboy, it was time to go, man. It was a hell of a ride. I had a lot of fun talking to you over the course of your career. I got to write a piece sort of that evening about Cowboy retiring. There were some good times. There were some bad times. He was one of my toughest interviews at times, but he was also a great interview at times. And so shouts to Cowboy. I hope he and Linz and the boys are doing well. I hope I never see him fight again. That's that's my hope. I hope I never see him fight again. hope I continue to see Jim Miller fight because he's still great. Jalen Turner shows up again, does more Jalen Turner things, making quick work of Brad Riddell. He is a problem at lightweight, folks. Just a problem. There's two wins this year. Finishes, folks. He's figuring out. Harry talked about it in detail, both in a spotlight piece and on the next day takeaways. He's figuring out. And he, and he I mean, he nailed it in the preview show, even of how this fight was going to play out. He's figuring out how to use his length. He's learning how to be the big, long, tall, powerful, dangerous dude that he is. Going to continue to be a problem at lightweight. Brian Barberina shows up again. I forgot to mention him in March against Matt Brown. Goes into Columbus, goes into the Immortals' backyard and gets a split decision win, a hard-fought victory. Comes back at UFC 276 and beats Robbie Lawler, puts him away in the second round, shouts to Bam, happy to see his success. Alex Pajaya beats Sean Strickland to set up that fight that a lot of people wanted. Set up that fight that we're getting at UFC 281 at Madison Square Garden in November with Israel Adesanya. And then we got Volkanovski and, and Max Holloway 3, where Volk just made it clear, like, look, there is not a better featherweight on the planet than me. Broke his hand in that fight, broke his thumb in that fight, still went out and did great things. Two standout performances, man. He, I, I haven't fully done it yet, but he might be my fighter of the year. I'll have to go through and, and double check. It's hard to argue against the two performances he's had thus far. He has looked absolutely terrific. The next event in July, we had uh, Rafael, Rafael Faziv come out and finish Rafael Dos Anjos in the fifth round, move forward the next week. Emily Ducote made a great debut against Jessica Panay. She's got another fight booked for, for later this year, I believe, against Angela Hill, which is a really interesting fight. Angie coming off a good win over Lupe Godinez, and that would mean she would take out the two co-hosts of the Two Straws podcast on UFC Fight Pass, check out the ladies and, and the work they do there. Dustin Jacoby keeps rolling unbeaten since coming back to the UFC. I know light heavyweight is always sort of 
barren and shallow and looking for names. Dustin Jacoby's becoming one of them. He's got a fight coming up against Khalil Roundtree, I believe, that is going to be absolutely bonkers and on my list of weirdo fights that Spencer is super excited about that no one else is really anywhere remotely excited about. But he's unbeaten since coming back to the UFC. He looked really great in his last performance against Dotton Jung. Uh, Ricky Simone subs out Jack Shore, hands Jack Shore his first loss, shows again that he is a, a guy to pay close attention to at Bantamweight. It's been a theme throughout this show. Reminder, Bantamweight is fucking terrific. Later on in that card, Lauren Murphy. Uh, this is the Long Island card, of course. Lauren Murphy mauled Misha Tate in Misha's flyweight debut. Looked great. Shouts to Sean Madden for the work he did with, with Lauren in terms of her striking in advance of that. We had the Shane Burgos-Charles Jordan fight, which was terrific. We had Machnell and Sumudarji, which was absolutely bonkers. Another one of those ones that may be in the fight of the fight of the year running just because it was chaos. Definitely one of the best comebacks of the year for Matt Schnell, who, you know, any any other mere mortal is out at various points in that fight. But Danger hung tough and got the win. Amanda Lamos clamped onto a guillotine choke against Michelle Watterson, a very good win for her to sort of steady herself in the division and cement her spot in the top 10. She's got a fight with Marina Rodriguez coming up. Um, in a couple months at UFC 280. That is a huge fight and a, and a very important fight in that division. Move forward again. Nathaniel Wood makes his featherweight debut. Looks great against Charles Rosa. He's fighting Charles Jordan in a couple of weeks or or in a week, excuse me, in Paris. Uh, we go to London for the second time. Meatball Molly gets another, gets another stoppage win. Looks great. Hits the elbow again on Hannah Goldie. And then pounds her out and celebrates. Nikita Krilov sends... Alexander Gustafson off to retirement, we think. He didn't look good, so it should be. Shouts to Nikita Krilov for a good performance. Patty Pimblett wins again, beats Jordan Levitt, gets the finish there again. Patty's getting to that point where he's going to have to start facing real competition. He's And I don't mean that Jordan Levitt isn't real competition, but like for the, for the attention and buzz and opportunities that Patty gets, he's going to have to start climbing the ladder. It's got a lot of people calling him out. I would love to see the Terrence McKinney fight. There's a bunch of fights that I would love to see for Patty just to test him, just to see where he fits. We move to UFC 277. We get Michael Morales getting a second win, a little harder earned against Adam Fugit. He's a guy that I liked coming off the contender series that is definitely worth paying attention to in the welterweight division. He's 23 years old. He's long. He's got power. Give him time. Give him two, three years, and and I, I have a feeling he will be a top 15 fighter. Drew Dober with his body shot finish of Rafael Alves. If you haven't seen it, just go back and watch it. It is why dudes like me and hardcore fans just absolutely love body work, love when dudes work the body. Just a beautiful shot that folds Rafael Alves up right away. Alexandre Pantoja. Just walks out and is like, hey, Alex Perez, I'm not fucking around. Gets his neck, gets the finish. Brandon Moreno with a hot head, or sorry, a body kick finish of Kai Kara France that my guy Sean Madden called in the coach conversations on UFC.com for that week. Brings us forward to the night of 10 fights and 10 finishes. Like, this is what I'm talking about. This is This is the thing I'm sitting here for. We're not that far removed from a night where we had 10 fights and 10 finishes and somehow it just became a thing we stopped talking about the week later. 
I understand that it's because the machine rolls on. It's because there's big fights to talk about. But we had 10 fights and 10 finishes, and it was all kinds of fun. We had Myra Buena Silva getting the submission win. We had Corey McKenna with Von choke, Brian Battle kicking my guy. Ah, I can't remember who it was. Takedo Sock. Takeo, ah, Takedo Sashi, upside, Sato, upside the head. Sorry for the name butchering. Going off the top of the dome. Beautiful high kick that we saw later in the month. Mo Usman with the left hand against Zach Pauga to win the ultimate fighter. And then Jeff Neal doing Jeff Neal things against Vicente Luque to remind everybody that he is a problem in the division. Cough break again. Excuse me. And we're back with Josh Quinlan sending Jason Witt into the shadow realm. Ode Osborne getting sent there as well by Tyson Nam. Nate Landwehr and David Onama having just one of the most bonkers fights of the year. Just an absolute one round Onama, one round Landwehr, one round of chaos. Closed out that show in San Diego, Marlon Chito Vera with the fourth round finish of Dominic Cruz. Two wins this year for Cheeto, two big wins. Said earlier in the week on the right right fights to make for the title fights that I think Cheeto's in the driver's seat for a fight if Aljo gets the victory against TJ Dillashaw. We'll see how that plays out. Brings us to UFC 278. Victor Altamarino starts off the night with a finish over Daniel De Silva. Beautiful knee to the body. Again, body work. Lovely, lovely stuff to start that finishing sequence. The Prince Amir Albazi comes back, gets a submission win over Francisco Figueredo. Lucia Pudelova returns to the UFC and dominates Wu Yanan. Paulo Costa and Luke Rockhold have their crazy-ass fight. Luke, you know, tells him to F off and then punches him in the face and kicks him in the body and rubs his blood all over him and then says, I'm too fucking old Joe Rogan and calls it quits. Shouts to Luke, it's been fun. Close out the night with Leon Edwards pulling off that unexpected, unbelievable left high kick to win the welterweight title. 109 performances. Some of them you remember. We're still talking about Leon Edwards, even though it happened, you know, a few days ago. It's the it's one of the ones that lingers. We're still talking a little bit about Luke Rockhold's career and the way he went out, of course, and just sort of the end of it and, and the totality of his career, I guess. But a lot of these, our performances, our fights, our moments, our efforts that have fallen by the wayside, fallen out of our memory. And I wanted to come back today and just sort of put them out there because I do think it's important, as I said off the top, to have these reset moments where we talk about some of the performances that came earlier in the year so that we don't just get caught up as prisoners of the moment when we're talking about things like awards, when we're talking about you know our, our favorite moments, the best moments we've seen. I think really good efforts kind of fall out of people's memories. And, and again, it makes sense. I understand it. There's a lot going on. We all have tons of things going on in addition to our fandom. But I think it's one of those things that it gives us an opportunity. And I hope this podcast, this, this show, gives people an opportunity to remember some of the, those performances. I hope if you're listening, there's been four or five really good moments from earlier this year that you went, oh yeah, I remember that. And you go back and watch it again, or you you hold that in your memory as you're thinking of these people. Or there were fighters that, you know, have fights coming up 
that you didn't necessarily know. And then you've heard their name here that they had a great performance earlier in the year. Or they were part of a fight that, that got mentioned here. And that gives you a reason to pay attention to them over these next couple months as we close out 2022. The sport's awesome, man. The sport is dope. It's been a great year. I've talked about it a bunch this year that I think the UFC, in terms of the talent and the level of skill and ability of the athletes competing in the octagon, has never been better. This is the best, in my opinion, that it has ever been. And so I know I'm always the sunny ray of optimism. I know I'm the always fine 10 things that I like about a fight card guy. But I just think I just wanted to come out here today on this overcast Friday here in Abbotsford and sort of shine a light on on things that have happened over the first eight months of the year as we get ready to close things out as we hit the top of the stretch for all those horse racing people that I was growing up it still sticks in my head we're coming off an absolutely like the last fight that took place in the octagon was an absolutely magical moment an historic moment for sure one that We'll talk about, we'll see that highlight. We'll see that set up for a long, long time. It will be in the Baba O'Reilly montage, probably next weekend in Paris, as it should be. But it's been great. It's been a dope year. And I want people to remember that. I want people to remember all the cool stuff that has already happened because we're going to get a bunch more. These next four months are going to be really cool. The next two months, there's a bunch of title fights. There's the chance to set up you know, anywhere from two to six number one contenders, depending on how divisions shake out, depending on how the UFC opts to book things going forward. And then we still have November and December, which historically have been pretty good years in the U- pretty good months in the UFC over the years, I should say. And so before we get to those, before we get really excited about, you know, the, the back-to-back cards, that look great, UFC 280 and the one before that both look absolutely phenomenal. Let's look at some of the stuff that's already come to pass this year and was absolutely phenomenal. I hope you enjoyed it. That's it for today. As I said off the top, I will be back on Sunday with Ian O'Neill to talk about some of the stuff that's coming up over the next bunch of months. Until then, Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Know that you're loved. Know that you're appreciated. Thank you for all the support. Like, subscribe, listen. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Go and find it. Like, subscribe, review. Those things mean the world to me. They also make a difference in the visibility of this show and this platform. So I appreciate it. Hope you have a great weekend. Hope to see you back here on Sunday. Take care of yourselves. Be good to one another. We'll talk soon.